three, in two, in one. All right, everybody, welcome to episode number 125 of the Between the Cracks podcast. I am your host, Bill, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. Chris, I am very excited tonight because it is our third annual Halloween Spooktacular. All rights reserved. And what makes this year's episode even more unique is the fact that it's going to be coming out after Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> we we uh, didn't exactly have the greatest of time recording it the first time we tried. <laughs> and uh, this is our second attempt this evening. So the, it, it, for all intents and purposes, this is our third attempt. So with that said, I think it's best just to get right into it. Because for the first time in BTC history... We're headed to your hometown, Chris, of St. Augustine, Florida, to discuss what some call the most haunted location in the entire country. I'm talking about the one and only St. Augustine Lighthouse. And in my opinion, when talking about haunted locations, there is something about a lighthouse that just seems to be a, a bit more ominous than, say a haunted house, or any other kind of haunted location. And I think that primarily has to do with the solitary nature uh, of these structures. Because when you're in there by yourself, Chris, there's nowhere to run. My man, there's nowhere to hide. (laughs) You are there by yourself. (laughs) Yeah, and that's enough to uh, make your mind go crazy. But also... There's lots of history behind this specific location, which means something definitely went wrong at some point. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And uh, this structure itself, the St. Augustine Lighthouse history, goes further back (laughs) than anything we've ever spoken about before. Essentially, the first structure goes back to 1565. If you put all these elements together, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Chris, but you're pretty much asking for trouble. You better be careful. Oh, absolutely. And uh, Bill, I just wanted to throw a little fun fact out there for you. Did you know uh, what Florida means? No, Chris, I don't. Do tell. It means the land of flowers. And uh, I don't know if you've uh, been touching up on your history or if you remember history from the old days when we were in uh, school. (laughs) I sure as hell don't. Uh, But I do recognize the name Don Juan Ponce de Leon. Oh, Ponce de Leon. Of course I do. Ah, yes. He discovered Florida. Yes, he did. Yes, Chris, believe it or not, in another lifetime, I was actually a history major. God. Yes, I have an undergrad in history, believe it or not. (laughs) Not that I can remember much of it, but I I do remember old Ponce. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and, and, and he discovered Florida. And in fact, this being one of the young colonies of Spain at the time, that is uh, where the history starts, where uh, basically St. Augustine uh, had a watchtower installed around that time. Yeah, you're right. And it dated back to 1565. So j- just sit back and think about that. I mean, we're, we're talking this this structure, even though it, it had... Uh, fallen into despair at points it had eroded but it's constantly been rebuilt whether it be in the exact footprint or a couple of yards away but nonetheless it's within a small radius of where the light tower stands today 
If you think about it, there has been a structure in this area that has seen the American Revolution, the formation of the country, the Civil War, just to name a few. I mean, that really just blows the mind. That's just how rich in history this location is. Yes, and as we will continue to elaborate on, through the many, many years, there were also many, many lightkeepers. And of course, with lightkeepers and construction, as we said, this area had several constructions to build various lighthouses over time. Well, tragedy befalls some of those. Chris, it always seems to me that these lighthouse keepers, they, they always find themselves in, in terrifying predicaments, and they always seem to meet untimely deaths. These structures go through a lot, typically, especially being right on the coastline. You're taking the brunt, usually, of many storms that blow through. You're living alone. I mean, <laughs> it's no life for me, but it's a unique way to live, for sure. Yeah, well, generally speaking, when you think about lighthouses, I at least for me, I always think of them being perched up on a, a rocky cliff with waves banging against it. But this St. Augustine Light Tower, as it is today in 2023, is anything but. Chris, Chris, I'm looking at it, and I know that you are a resident verbal description expert, but I'm going to try to describe this to the good people out in podcast land tonight, if you don't mind. So I'm going to ask you, Right here, right now. Is that okay with you? Yeah, what the fuck do I care? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that, Chris. So, I'm looking at this thing, and this thing does not look menacing or ominous in any way, shape, or form. It actually looks like it was built on this beautiful park. You got lush vegetation all around it. And if you're looking at the light tower straight ahead, you'll see this small cabin-like structure, which was the light keeper's quarters. And behind that sits the actual lighthouse, which stands roughly 165 feet. And the lighthouse itself is painted in this beautiful black and white spiraled design. And then leading up to the top, the beacon itself is a bright red color. So it's really stunning to look at. Like I said, it doesn't remind me of your stereotypical lighthouse. Because it is, for all intents and purposes, a bit further from the coastline than you generally see a lighthouse. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely not uh, that typical on the coast, like directly on the coast, or even sitting out in the water type lighthouse. Yes, but uh, unfortunately, and we're going to come to find out very soon, that uh, that doesn't stop there from being any water-related tragedies, does it? Oh, no, it does not. Chris, we're going to be going over that tragic event in just a little bit. But, you know, with a history this long, it's impossible to go over everything. So I thought it was best that we try to narrow it down to just a few events that have taken place throughout the St. Augustine Lighthouse history and how the victims of each and every one of those said events are still making their presence known today. I said today. Chris, I'm alluding to that there might be some kind of haunting that's related uh, to what we're going to be speaking about. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> so, Chris, we're going to try to go in chronological order as uh, these tragic events took place. And our first one takes place in 1859. That is when lighthouse keeper Joseph Andrew unfortunately fell to his death. 
Now, Joseph was the fourth lightkeeper, and he was there from 1854 to 1859. So he had a good five years experience. So he was a very seasoned lighthouse keeper. Now, apparently, as the story goes, he was whitewashing the tower. That's when the scaffolding gave way. And unfortunately, Joseph Andrew had fallen to his death. But something very interesting happens after Joseph's passing, doesn't it? Yes, indeed. After that 60-foot plummet that takes Joseph's life, his wife, Maria Mestre de los Dolores Andrew... Jesus! (laughs) That is a mouthful, to say the least. She takes over to be head keeper of the lighthouse. She'll actually be keeper of the lighthouse from 59 to 62. But another thing that's actually kind of interesting here is not only did you mention that Joseph Andrew had about five years experience before he, of course, died, um, but his cousin, Juan Antonio Andrew, was actually the first head keeper of this lighthouse, and he was keeping that house for 25 years. Oh, so they're keeping it in the family. Yeah, absolutely. So you can imagine that, obviously, Joseph must have learned a thing or two from his cousin dealing with lighthouses. So, obviously, a freak accident with the scaffolding giving way. But Maria, yes, as you mentioned, ends up being the first female, I believe, to uh, be a head lightkeeper. Well, you know, what's even more interesting to me is the fact that Maria was able to stay there and become the lighthouse keeper after her husband had... Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Whoa. Are you saying... Oh, I caught it. I caught it. Are you saying what I think you're saying? Well, she was a woman. and, and Why she was, shouldn't she be able to? She was the lighthouse keeper, not oh, housekeeper. Bye-bye, asshole. You're done. You're done. <laughs> a fucking housekeeper. <laughs> Chris, I, well, the implication was not that Maria was the housekeeper, that she was the lighthouse keeper. Please. Okay. <laughs> My God, my God, we're canceling ourselves at this point. We're, they, 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 we're eating our own. So the point that I'm making, Chris, is that it had to be somewhat troubling for her to continue on at this location. <laughs> Wouldn't you say? Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> But she actually plays a little bit of a part here and in uh, the Civil War because at this point when she takes over, the Civil War is going on. How, and, just, that's what I'm saying. We talked about the history. It's just so crazy how, how old this place is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tons of. And this was actually used at some point to, or I should say lack thereof, because they removed the lens from the lighthouse so that apparently Union forces couldn't take advantage of it. Obviously, a beacon of light could surely assist ships in moving back and forth. So Maria, at the time, was assisting in this. Wow, way to go, Maria. Now, Chris, remember I said that each and every one of the victims of these tragic events that we're going to be speaking of still have a way of making their presence known today. So with that said, let's fast forward to present day for a moment. There are quite a number of ghost tours throughout the St. Augustine Lighthouse. One of the paranormal entities that people tend to encounter is Joseph Andrew himself. Now, it seems that more than just a few people have witnessed 
his presence, get this, Chris, at the very top of the lighthouse tower, the same exact location from which he fell. Now, in addition to them seeing this figure at the top of the lighthouse, it's also been noted that apparitions that match the description of Joseph Andrew still roam the lighthouse to this very day. And it's been spotted by quite a number of people. And the theory here is that, and this, this is odd, that he's still trying to figure out why he was taken from this earth so unexpectedly. And many times, you know, they, that's the nature of these hauntings where... Obviously, the, these entities are stuck. They're unable to move past this realm that they're stuck in. Now, another interesting tidbit about this, Chris, is that visitors to the lighthouse have said that they can hear a woman screaming. Almost as if she was screaming because she had watched someone fall to their death. Perhaps not only is the ghost of Joseph Andrew still in the lighthouse... But his wife Maria's spirit is there as well. What do you think about that? Mm, very interesting. Perhaps Maria's spirit can uh, fill in Joseph's spirit uh, as to what happened on that fateful day. <laughs> of course, that. <laughs> Although it is a clever joke, you've gone too far. But, uh, you know, that's just one of the many tragic events that took place. But in my opinion, as tragic as this was... It's nowhere near as tragic as the next unfortunate event that we're going to be discussing. Chris! Yeah, are you there? Oh, I'm here. What you got for us? Well, to give you a little bit of a background here on this next tragedy that occurs, we should mention that after the, the, we left off with Maria, with the lighthouse being deactivated momentarily due to the Civil War, it is again reactivated on June 1st, 1867. At this point, it is quite clear that the structure is not doing too well. It has, it has succumbed to some erosion, and it is time to build a new structure. Well, that's what brings in the family of the next tragedy we're going to discuss here, because we find out that Hezekiah Pity, P-I-T-T-E-E, -E, Pity. Oh, that's absolutely correct. He is brought all the ways from Cape Elizabeth, Maine, which... If any of you are familiar with lighthouses, that is a very old, in fact, it may be one of the oldest in the country. Have you ever been to it? Yeah, I have. It is the one that's located in Portland. It's the Portland Headlight. Oh, well, I was just in Portland this past August, Chris, and uh, I, I didn't know. I was, you know, I was roaming around this, <laughs> roaming around the streets, and I came across, and I, I, was, I was so shocked to see it, and I actually took a picture with it. A piece of the Berlin Wall. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. Portland's a great city, man. It's beautiful. Yeah, I, I haven't ventured too much into Portland because I'm always just more into the hiking and stuff on the coastline there, especially the uh, Acadia National Park. But there are tons. In fact, I believe Maine uh, has the most lighthouses in all of... Yeah, it's the, it's, it, the whole state is just stunning. I love it. Yeah, it's beautiful. 
Continue, Chris. This isn't about you. Please. What about... Uh, I wasn't trying to make it about me. Well, yes, you were, Chris. Please. What about uh, uh, Hezekiah? So, Hezekiah, who was a superintendent of Lighthouse Construction, was brought from Cape Elizabeth, Maine, obviously for, I'm assuming, his knowledge of constructing lighthouses. Uh, so, he is brought from all the way from the northern coast of the states, ways down to the most southern point of the east coast. Uh, well, you would figure that if, you know, if, if you're in charge and in control of constructing lighthouses in Maine, I mean, you've got to be the best of the best, right? Absolutely. So Hezekiah Pity is brought up, and he comes up with his family, uh, his wife Mary, and they have four children. Uh, there's Mary Adelaide, there's Eliza, Edward, and Carrie. And, of course, uh, with the task of helping to build this lighthouse, uh, they will reside there for some time. Construction will start in late spring of 1872. While the pities are staying there and while their father is working, they had constructed a railway, uh, basically a small kind of rail cart that could be transported from the ocean uh, up to the lighthouse area so that they could transport supplies from ships that would, would drop off various yeah, Basically, things. it was a supply cart. Correct. And, of course, kids being kids, they decide to use the supply cart as a you know their own personal roller coaster. The children, uh, basically, on the daily, are taking this little roller coaster ride. They would take the rail cart all the way down, and then they'd bring it up to the top again and ride back down. There is a very important piece of board though that is put in place to basically keep the cart from tipping over into the water. And so each trip they make sure that this board is in place. Well, the insane thing here, and correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, the ability to stop this cart was based solely on this piece of wood being strong enough to do so and the trust that it would not have been moved at any point in time. Unfortunately, tragedy struck on July 10th of 1873. Chris, what happened on that fateful day? Well, on that day, July 10th, the three sisters, accompanied by a friend that is uh, actually not named, which they assume was a daughter of uh, one of the men that were working on the site, the girls decide to take the cart out as they normally would, and uh, as they're going down the roller coaster, as they refer to it as, apparently that wood board was not in place, and the cart carrying all four girls flips into the water, and it basically traps them underneath. Now, remember we said that the lighthouse itself was somewhat of a distance away from the Atlantic Ocean. So with that distance in play, my thought here is that that cart had to really be moving. Yeah, and apparently the weight of the cart must have been fairly heavy because when this thing flips over, it, it literally traps them. This thing lands on top of them in the water and they're unable to get it off of them. And back then, stuff was built to last. So this car, like you said, I'm guaranteed it must have been fairly heavy and, and well made. And you think about it, you got four young girls, 15, 13, 10, and four years old. So you could imagine the panic that must have set in. 
And, you know, if you fall into a body of water and you're trapped underneath, you really start to lose your faculties and that just leads to panicking. Unfortunately, that's the last thing you want to do in a situation. You want to try to be able to stay calm. But, you know, we're talking about young children here. Yeah, I mean, they definitely would not have known what to do at the time. And you do have one of the workers uh, by the name of Dan Sessions is actually witnesses this whole thing happen. But of course, he's such a far distance away from where the cart tips, you know, he's racing to get down there to pull the cart off, which he ends up getting there. And he, it says that he used all of his strength. So this thing must be really heavy. And he ends up getting it off of the girl's but by this time, it, it was just too late. Three of the four girls end up drowning. The only one that survives was the youngest, Carrie, who was four years old. My God, man, that is absolutely horrifying. So I'm thinking, man, that distance from the lighthouse to the water on that track, that played a big role as far as them not being able to be saved. Yeah, I, you know, obviously when it comes to being underwater, I mean, time is of the essence, so... I mean, the construction completely halts after this, uh, you know. They, they actually shut down the entire town to attend yeah. the girl's funeral. Yeah, clearly the town uh, really shooken up by this whole thing. And the Pity family, they actually head back to Maine to lay their daughters to rest. Just truly, truly the worst thing anybody could uh, have to go through. Any location that has a tendency to have an abnormally high amount of paranormal activity it seems to be apparitions or entities of children involved. And boy, oh boy, is that the case here, Chris. I say that because it's been 150 years since this tragic accident. But yet, but yet, visitors to the St. Augustine Lighthouse claim to have interacted with the girls quite a number of times, haven't they? Indeed. There has been many spirits or uh, other paranormal occurrences that basically have been attributed to these young girls. The bizarre happenings started really taking place uh, right away, but they didn't really get documented un until the early 1950s and throughout present day. But in 1953, the lighthouse keeper at the time, a gentleman by the name of James Pippin, said that he would constantly hear footsteps upstairs and the sounds of children laughing and is it the footsteps almost sounded as if it was that of children running and playing however whenever he would go up there to investigate obviously there would be nothing think about how unnerving that has to be because you know the, these <laughs> these lighthouse structures are essentially echo chambers right so if you're down at the bottom by yourself and you hear a bunch of footsteps and everything running around kids laugh and whatnot you're hearing the echo of that as it happens as it makes its way down to you you hear that and you by the time you get up there to investigate there's nothing so <laughs> you you got to be freaking the hell out <laughs> let's start by the fact that you assume that somebody would hear such noises and go to investigate it. I mean, that's the thing, too. I mean, it's not like you're on top and they're at the bottom, so there's no way out. You're at the bottom and they're at the top. You, you, you could just walk right through the door and get the hell out of there. You would be hearing the echoing of me sprinting out of that thing. <laughs> 
So later on, we find out that Pippin had had enough. He was done, man. He actually moves out. And he was quoted as saying <laughs> that that lighthouse was haunted and he would not stay in it another night. So, I mean, you're talking about these salty seasoned guys, these lighthouse keepers. They don't fear much. But how could they be so fearless, you ask? Well, something tells me there has to be something else going on there. And I think I know what it is, Chris. I think I know what it is. My guess is that these lighthouse keepers must be taking Magic Mind. What is Magic Mind, you ask? Well, let me tell you. It's the world's first fully optimized blend of adaptogens, neurotropics, and functional mushrooms. Now, this potent little elixir, which comes in a two-ounce shot, I might add, packs a very powerful punch. Magic Mind is infused with 13 ingredients that work together to provide a holistic solution for optimized mental health. And let me tell you guys, I take it every day. It has helped with my anxiety. And in addition to that, it helps me stay productive and focused all day long. Now, the thing I like most about it is that it is jitter-free. You know how after you have your second or third cup of coffee, you start feeling a little funny? You don't get that with Magic Mind because it is all natural. Now, with that said, I'm sure you're all very interested as to what is actually in this little magical elixir. Well, allow me to read off a few of the ingredients for you. Organic lion's mane, vitamin D3, organic matcha, vitamin C, and my personal favorite, organic ashwagandha. And that's just to name a few, but it gets even better. Because here at BTC, we have a special offer for you. If you go to magicmind.com, that's M-A-G-I-C-M-I-N-D dot com forward slash BTC and use the code BTC20, that's BTC20, you will receive 20% off both one-time purchases and subscriptions. But get this, it gets even better if you can believe it. You can get up to 56% off of your subscription to Magic Mind in the next 10 days if you use the aforementioned code BTC20. So, so what are you waiting for? You have nothing to lose. Well, except maybe your anxiety. So don't wait any longer. Try Magic Mind today. So Chris, like I said, these lighthouse keepers, they don't fear much. Something had to happen to really rattle this guy. Chris, by uh, 55, Pippin was gone, man. Yeah, and who can blame him? At this point, the lighthouse lamp actually ends up being fully automated. Um, yeah, a little upgrade. And then uh, apparently, though, the U.S. Coast Guard replaces the lighthouse keepers with a new position known as a lamplighter. Well, that sounds somewhat of a downgrade. I don't, I don't like the sound of that. <laughs> I definitely prefer Lightkeeper to Lamplighter, but uh, who the hell are we? <laughs> so basically, now being this is fully automated, they do not need a Lightkeeper to live on site. And uh, boy, I can't say I wouldn't hate not having to be living there alone. Yeah, you're not kidding, especially after all these tragedies have taken place. So here's something very interesting that happens. Remember we said that the initial entrance to this lighthouse had that little cabin that, that that little structure in the beginning of it like a little apartment right it's very nice looking so apparently being that they no longer needed someone there at the lighthouse full time they were able to rent that place out 
So they're trying to make a few bucks here and there. And they rented it out to a, a local gentleman. <laughs> but uh, things went about as well for him as they did for Pippin, didn't they? <laughs> oh, uh, right, you be. Because unfortunately, this uh, local man who was uh, apparently known for crafting leather goods, Ooh. he, whilst sleeping in bed one night, well, he notices something standing beside him. A small girl, in fact. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this doesn't sound good however you slice it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> Uh, but, well, <laughs> yeah, Chris, <laughs> so, I mean, you're not kidding. Imagine seeing a small ghost child just looking at you, peering at you with their beady little eyes. And and the creepier thing here, it's not even at the top of the lighthouse, so he can't even punt her off of it. <laughs> well, I'm not sure how much good it would do him, being that his foot would probably go right through her. <laughs> but uh, apparently he blinked his eyes to look at her again, and she vanished. But now, Chris, moving forward into the 1970s, things start to get a, a little more concrete in nature. And by that, I mean, unfortunately, after the keeper's chambers have been emptied for quite some time, and <laughs> I mean, obviously nobody wants to rent this place, but we find out that it was actually burned to the ground. But get this, under very mysterious circumstances... After the fire, they actually rebuild. But get this. The construction workers that worked on site said that they had witnessed quite a few bizarre ghostly encounters. Because apparently, the basement area of the light keeper's quarters was the only place that wasn't burnt to the ground. But within the walls of that basement is where they noticed the most paranormal activity taking place. Once again, they've heard the sounds of children playing. Something just very, very creepy about giggling sounds of children. Yeah. When they're not supposed to be there. When yes, that's, that's the thing. You know, I mean, it, it could be the, the, the most soothing thing in the world to hear little kids laughing, they're having a good time. <laughs> but if uh, but it could also be the most haunting thing in the world, too. You know, especially if there especially if there are no children around, Chris. <laughs> Absolutely. But, uh, you know, it seems that from all accounts that the girls aren't necessarily there to cause harm. More so, they're, <laughs> they're there to be somewhat playful, which has been noted by some of the people who have taken uh, some of the ghost tours that still take place at the St. Augustine Lighthouse today. Yes, in fact, whilst doing one of their Dark of the Moon tours in the lighthouse, one of the female guests tried to climb the tower, but she found herself, hmm, how do I put this, tied down. What do you mean? Well, it seems that her shoelace was tied to the staircase. Whilst on the tour? Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, now, hold on a second. Are we, are, do we have confirmation of this event, Chris? Is this actually documented? <laughs> well, it is but they do say, however, that they're not sure if it was a ghost or her companion playing a trick. <laughs> well, either or, I mean, it's a brilliant trick, regardless. <laughs> a 
Better the first step up than the first step down. You're not kidding. So, uh, I mean, Chris, all this is quite unnerving, and uh, I'm starting to get spooked out a little bit, but like I said, we have three cases to cover here, and uh, (laughs) let's finish this up quickly, please. (laughs) Chris, uh, unfortunately, (laughs) we have no choice. We're going to be heading back to the basement of the Lighthouse Keeper's quarters, if you don't mind. Because legend has it that apparently either a lighthouse keeper or one of his assistants or some other individual that worked on a property actually hanged themselves in that very basement. Now, remember we said that many people that go into the basement hear the young pity children playing around, or though they suspect it to be the pity children, but generally speaking, they hear children. But there's something else that takes place down there that's not so funny apparently many that go down there they seem to witness a bizarre entity and that entity is that of a man in a blue suit now we've also heard that some describe this man as being eight feet tall which which is horrifying. Okay, I mean, it's horrifying seeing a ghost, but seeing one that's eight feet tall is really going to rattle you. Oh, and especially when you take a picture beside the lighthouse and uh, that figure shows up in the picture, <laughs> unbeknownst to you. Yes, didn't you say that you saw an instance where that actually happened to someone? Yeah, I, I think uh, there was somebody who had taken a picture right in front of the lighthouse, and when they ended up looking back at the photo... It had a very tall man in a suit standing next to them. <laughs> that is fucking terrifying. <laughs> My God. I swear, uh, lighthouses are just, I mean, you, you gotta, I mean, they're, late, they're nice to look at. You take a little boat ride and you go past them and that's it. You don't need to be lurking around inside there. It's just nothing but trouble. But anyway, there's speculation as to who this blue-suited man could be. And uh, lo and behold, Chris, our experts here at the BTCRF inform me that many believe that the man in the blue suit is none other than Peter Rasmussen, who, get this, Chris, served as the St. Augustine Lighthouse Keeper from 1901 to 1924. Now, we don't know if any great tragedy had befallen Peter or if he had known the person or was involved with the person who had hanged themselves in that basement. But we do know uh, a couple of uh, Peter's less attractive characteristics. <laughs> Apparently he had great disdain for everyone and everything, especially Chris, especially tourists. And from all accounts, he was a very cantankerous old man in the, uh, I'm drawing two married parallels here, Chris. I don't like this at all. But, uh, <laughs> and, and also, Chris, uh, it seems that old Pete here uh, loves a good cigar every now and then. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> much like someone else who hosts this show, this is terrible. But uh, apparently, it's that very same cigar smell that visitors to the St. Augustine Lighthouse still smell to this very day. Now, I wanted to bring this up to you because there always seems to be a number of similar incidents that take place in these haunted locations. One, I said before, being the fire. But when they're describing smells related to paranormal activity or these uh, 
entities that seem to be roaming halls. It always seems to be some kind of uh, woman's perfume or cigars. So I don't know if that validates the claim a little bit or gives it a little more credibility or that's something people use because it's been used quite a few times. But you would think, I mean, I'm looking at this case of uh, Peter Rasmussen here and he served, like I said, at the lighthouse for 23 years. I mean, that's quite a long time to be in this location. I mean, obviously you can have an assistant and you're not in the middle of the ocean by yourself, so you're able to freely roam around. So I'm assuming that Peter probably had visitors and had a life outside of the lighthouse. But with that said, I'm guessing that he probably still spent a majority of that time by himself. And when you're by yourself and you're bored and you're lonely, that seems as good a time as ever to smoke a cigar. I would say that Peter's cigar smoke is definitely etched in the walls of that place, one way or another. So I'm just thinking about this, you know, the fact that he spent 23 years in that position, and get this, he was the longest tenured head keeper that St. Augustine Lighthouse has ever known. So with that, I'm thinking that it would be tough for him to let go of that lighthouse. Now, keep that in mind. Because, remember, when that fire took place in the 1970s, they said there was only one area that was not affected by said fire. And that was the basement. The very basement that the gentleman in the blue suit seems to be roaming around in. Could that be the ghost of Peter Rasmussen living in the only remaining area of the keeper's quarters that he was familiar with? And more pissed off than ever. (laughs) But uh, I don't know, Chris. I mean, that's just a theory. I have no clue. I mean, there's not much on Peter Rasmussen, but I'll tell you one thing. Basements in general are scary. I can't even imagine going down into a basement where uh, so much tragedy has taken place. Oh, yeah, you know something's going on down there. (laughs) Before we get out of here, uh, as always, I'm going to ask you. I like to do it every week. Judging by everything that we spoke about tonight, all three cases, I mean, we couldn't get to everything, so we, we, we picked the best three that we could find. Based on all that we spoke of, what says you? What's your gut feeling? Do you think that there's any credibility that the St. Augustine Lighthouse could very well be haunted? I'm going to actually say that, yes, I think that it is haunted. I think with the type of tragedies that have happened there, you have someone falling to their death while painting the thing. And then I think nothing fits the bill more for a haunted location than uh, the tragedy of children dying. I think given that alone with the pity daughters, that that would be enough for that place to be haunted to some sort. So yeah, I, I think it is. Wow, Chris, this is the second time in the last few weeks that you actually believe that a place is indeed haunted. <laughs> well, I, I hope you're not saying it's just because this is our Halloween spooktacular. That no, would be very, no. That wouldn't be very nice of you. Well, listen, I I told you Kipsy was just a piece of floating oh, shit yeah. in the water, basically. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was... And then the hostile crowd attacked you for that. That was terrible. 
<laughs> but uh, Chris, uh, I'm gonna say, and thank you for asking as always. <laughs> I was uh, just about to. Uh, I, I, I'm gonna say it, man. I agree with you. Joseph Andrew falling from the top of the lighthouse is just the cherry on top. But I, I think the real issue here lies within those pity children. And like you said, any tragedy involving children, it is just so much more tragic than something happening to a grown adult. And I, I think it just brings about such sorrow and leaves a feeling of somewhat unfinished business. And I, I, I think that feeling has a way of lingering, whether it be physically or, or spiritually in this case. And I, I think that's what we have going on here. Because remember, I mean, this is a tragedy of not one, not two, but three children. Three children died in that accident. And it was so traumatizing to the family that the construction superintendent, he just left the job, took the, his wife and remaining children and just left. And the whole town essentially shut down to grieve over this tragedy. So I think that coupled with the claims that people are saying that they hear little kids playing and dancing around. There was actually another incident that uh, we should have brought up where apparently someone said that they witnessed two girls playing outside of the lighthouse, but then they seemingly disappeared. Who knows? I mean, it could be the mind playing tricks on you or whatnot. But to me, it seems in these situations that hearing is the most heightened sense that you can kind of base these things off of. Not so much visual stuff, but when you're hearing footsteps, laughter, slamming of doors, and things of that nature, I mean, I just think there's something to it. As far as old Peter in the basement, man, people are still smelling his cigars. <laughs> so these grumpy old men, man, they have a way of sticking around and making their presence known, too. So don't don't put anything past Peter. <laughs> Peter is uh, probably living in his glory, perhaps uh, <laughs> watching the visitors come by and choke on the smoke that he's blowing in their faces. <laughs> I see a lot of my future in you, Peter, and I really hope that's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Chris, I, I'm going to say it, man. Yes, the St. Augustine Lighthouse is indeed haunted. And I'm telling you, man, like I said in the beginning, there is something about lighthouses, man. There is just something that is just a little off about them, something just a tad more ominous than other places, and I just don't like it. I mean, they're beautiful to look at, but like I always say, from afar. 100% agreed. <laughs> so that's it, Chris. That is the story of the haunted St. Augustine Lighthouse. So, Chris, let me give the rundown and we can get the hell out of here for the night. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at btcpod2020 at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch with us on Instagram, Between the Cracks Podcast. You can write us there. I'll answer you back. Uh, what else? If you would like to become one of our lovely patrons, please feel free to do so by clicking on the link in the show notes. So, Chris, with all that said, what do you say we wish the fine, fine people out in podcast land the fondest? Oh, a farewells. Well, I, uh, I think we didn't cut it into like the last. No, yeah, yeah. I just meant since we started. Yeah. <laughs>